Welcome back to Outback Talks, the employee engagement podcast. This podcast is produced by Outback Team Building and Training, a leading team building, training, and consulting provider for organizations across North America. I'm your host, Yasmin Shemesh, and on today's show, we have a very special guest joining us from the professional social network, LinkedIn. Bobby Brenman is the group product marketing manager looking after the talent portfolio at LinkedIn. He sat down with me to dive deep into the world of recruitment and talking in particular about the best practices for effectively scouting out great candidates. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me again, Bobby. How's your day going so far? Excellent. Uh, excited to, uh, to chat with you today and, and uh, get into some of these, these details. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, me too. All right. So, uh, well, first of all, I know that you work at the Talent Divisions Department at LinkedIn. Um, so can you just tell me a little bit more about what that department does and what your role is? Yeah, of course. So hopefully uh, your listeners are familiar with LinkedIn, right? With um, over 590 million members in over 200 countries, LinkedIn is the largest professional network on the internet. Um, And our aim always, as we think about what we do here at LinkedIn, is to connect the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful. As a part of that, and this area that I focus on within our business is really focused on how do we help organizations develop winning teams? So when we think about um, organizations, and we think about our talent solutions broadly, we're really thinking about how do we help organizations with their planning strategy, so how they can plan to build that team, obviously how they hire the team effectively, um, and then how they continue to develop that team, which is, again, one of the reasons I was excited to chat with you, because I know you guys do a lot of work in this area, um, but yeah. you know, obviously super important to us as we, as we think about the hiring stage and then post the hiring stage as well. And then my role within within LinkedIn, I'm a group product marketing manager here looking after our talent portfolio. So it gives me a great opportunity to spend a lot of time with our customers, um, understanding what their needs are, understanding what their best practices are, talking to them about our solutions, as well as working in partnership with our product teams in terms of you know, what's the latest and greatest from a technology perspective as we as we deliver those solutions to our customers and think about the roadmap going forward. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, knowing that you are, um, you have some experience in marketing is something that I want to dive into um, in a little bit as well, because I feel like HR and marketing, you know, have have a very unique connection as well. But uh, let's let's talk about recruitment. So when you have a position that you want to fill, one of the first steps um, is putting together that job posting. So to start us off, do you have any really good tips on how to create a compelling job posting that will attract ideal candidates for a certain position? For sure. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, uh, and we could, we could talk about it more, but, you know, I think marketing and, and recruiting share a lot of similar, similar traits and characteristics. Um, and the same way as I, as I, you know, throughout my career, I've thought about different marketing campaigns and different things like that. Um, recruiting people for your organization is very much the same thing. So I always, as as I talk with customers, we always say, you know, start with really researching what what you're looking for, right? So I think that understanding of of the role, understanding of the ideal candidate that you're looking for, and really just having those insights to start the conversation becomes super important as as the foundation. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, really think about what is is that experience that you want to create for the candidate. We've done a lot of research on this here at LinkedIn to really understand, you know, what are the elements of of a job post, right? What are the elements that, that resonate with people? We actually just ran a study of, I think, over... Uh, 400 or so um, members, 
and you know really understood tried to understand what what aspects jump out to them from a job post what resonates most um, and as you can imagine a lot of the things that the candidates are really looking for are the details of of you know what they're actually going to do in the job right things around the actual functional requirements the actual you know salary and benefits definitely is, is top of mind for candidates um, and you know we we can share you know maybe in the show notes some some links to some of those resources but you know really mm-hmm. just getting to getting to the point right and and understanding what's important to the candidates i'd say is the is the biggest thing with job postings it is sort of like your advertising right because you're trying to present what this thing is and you know entice people to want to buy into it. it exactly right i think this is you know it's one of the many steps right within organizations thinking about their employer brand or their talent brand and while organizations may have a career page that, that highlights who they are, right, they may do direct outreach advertising to candidates to really make sure the candidates are aware of their company. Um, the job posting is, is definitely something that candidates are looking at and are using to assess, you know, one, obviously, if they're a fit for the role, but also to get to know the company. Um, we do see from the research, though, that, that you know, while some job postings people put a ton of information about the company and the company's mission and all of that, Oftentimes, candidates are really, you know, looking more for the detail of the job, of functionally what it is, and then are going to other places, such as the career page or, or other sites, to be able to then look into, to learn more about the company, right? So I think it's really, you know, we talk about it as, as you know, a, a multi-channel approach, right? Which is, again, language that comes over from the marketing world, but really thinking about mm-hmm. that way where, where, you know, if you look at the, the candidate journey and the experience that they're going on, there's multiple touch points that they're going to have um, as they engage with your company and get to know your company. But the job post is obviously a, a, a key part of that. So now branching off onto what you were just saying about including a lot of information in the job posting, which a lot of companies tend to do, um, have you found it more effective in your experience to create something that's very highly detailed to narrow down that exact criteria or could sometimes less detailed posts sort of attract a higher volume of applicants. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's stuff that, stuff that we, we, we spend a lot of time researching, obviously, with, with our members and with, with the customers that, that we talk with to see really what, what performs best around those job posts. And, you know, a couple of things that, that jump out to me, again, from the research and, and from what we see from our customers, um, shorter and more specific does tend to perform better across the board, right? So, you know, a, a five-page job posting would not recommend, right? It's just, you know, it, it's 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 too much, right, for candidates to to look at. So being more concise and really being, as I mentioned before, being specific about the role and the function um, is really what tends to perform best. You know, a few other best practices we see as we talk with with customers and and, and you know the leading organizations that we work with um, uh, share with us is don't. You know, don't limit yourself too much in terms of the requirements, right? This is something I think that we're we're talking a lot about with with customers right now. Is you know, as you look at the at the at the requirements for a job or the preferred qualifications, you know, really challenge yourself as an organization to say, are those necessary? Right. Common examples that come up is you know the number of years of experience in a role or having an MBA or, or things like that, which you know I think a lot of organizations are finding may limit the candidate pool in ways that's not necessarily reflective of of what's needed as an organization. Um, so we definitely encourage companies to think about that in terms of, you know, getting down to the basics of what's really required for somebody to be successful in the role. Um, and the other area where that then helps is really thinking about diversity of candidates, right, which is a topic that is top of mind for companies around the world, but really making sure mm-hmm. that the language in the job post um, doesn't, you know, in some unconscious way or some unintended way, limit the candidate that would be would be interested or applying. 
I, yeah, because the thing is as well is, you know, if you have something that's so long-winded and, and extensive, um, not only will not only will potential applicants, you know, sort of get bored very quickly just reading through it, um, but if there's very specific things that aren't necessarily relevant to the role or that aren't absolutely necessary to include, then, you know, that could turn a potential amazing candidate off, you know, and you might end up losing some really important talent or somebody that could bring significant value to your team. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, from again, from this recent research report, which we're happy to, to share the link on um, um, after the fact is, is you know, when we look at the parts of the job description that are most important, as we looked at heat maps of, of what, uh, what candidates for jobs we're looking at, compensation comes up to, uh, to the top of the list, which I think is, you know, a bit controversial. Sometimes people have said like, you know, oh, compensation shouldn't be part of a job posting. But we see that's something that, you know, when companies share, not necessarily the specific compensation, but the ranges at least and get into the um, the perks and the different things that come along with that. It's it's what, what candidates are looking for really is, is one of the most important things. Um, and then getting into qualifications mm-hmm. and the job details and the performance goals really stacks high in terms of uh, what our members tell us is important to them. It is very true. You know, you see that quite often where a lot of companies are, are hesitant to share those details, sort of the compensation and, and benefits. Uh, why, why do you think that is? You know, I think we're we're entering a, a I'll say I'll say an era broadly, right within within talent, but really worldwide of of, of just more transparency. You know, historically, I think there was. Um, organizations in many ways had, we'll say, the upper hand with employee with uh, with candidates or potential employees of having you know potentially all the information, right? Or, or I'll say that there was an information asymmetry, right? Candidates and, and people looking for jobs had a certain set of information, and companies had another set of information. And I think you know for a long time the 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 standard was well, everyone holds that information close to the chest, right, and doesn't necessarily share it. What we're seeing more and more just in, 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 you know, the world of the internet and today is that transparency is increasing. So companies, you know, individual candidates can go in and evaluate different companies, right? They can get to know companies before they work there, right? From different review sites, getting to know the company brand, et cetera. And part of that is then having that transparency in salary. So we see a lot of the organizations we work with, you know, starting to share a lot more of that detail in terms of, you know, salary and perks and, and company culture and those elements that really, you know, differentiate company to company. Um, because I think just today, the reality is there's a lot more information available and companies that try to, um, you know, obfuscate that or not share that um, are operating at a disadvantage in many ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially in this day and age, you know, where social media plays a big part in, you know, all the information that's literally at our fingertips. You know, it's a uh, sort of as this generation now, we just want to know as much as we can, you know. And I think in, in, in you know, again, in, in our view at LinkedIn and, and what we hear from our customers is the end result ends up being much better, right? Because, you know, I, I often mm-hmm. I often rec- rec- equate um, you know, talent conversations and, and talent people decisions around hiring, you know, it's, it's often like dating, right? Or getting into a relationship, right? There, there's, there's the right person for everyone. Um, but, you know, no two people are going to necessarily be attracted to the same exact elements, right? So, you know, we often hear the question of, well, well what's the, you know, what's the perfect company profile or what's the perfect way to, to stand out or to establish yourself? And there's obviously some you know, general recommendations of things, patterns that we see. Um, but in so many ways, you know, each company and really each team within a company ends up being very unique, right? And I think the more, especially today, that you can share that and help people understand 
what it is that that you know makes your team special or your company special. Um, you know, it's going to create a better match then, right? And and ultimately, hopefully, people that can contribute more to your organization, deliver more value for your company, and ideally stay with your company for for a longer tenure because it's a great fit for them. Mm-hmm, definitely. I love that analogy too, comparing it to dating because it, it is it is similar in so many ways. I've read quite a bit about that too. It's, and it's, it's very interesting. What information then do you suggest is critical to collect um, at the very early stages? Yeah, you know, I think this is really dependent company to company. And, and, we, and we see a lot of different, um, a, a lot of different things and different patterns, right, from, from companies we work with, as well as our own practices here at LinkedIn, when, when I'm hiring for my team, or we're hiring broadly at, at LinkedIn. You know, I think the, the really important thing with this is making sure that the candidate has a great experience, right? Again, today, in, in the world of, mm-hmm. of social media, in the world of transparency, you know, Everyone is an influencer, right? Everyone has that voice. Um, so, you know, in terms of even the information you're collecting from a candidate, you know, make sure that it's that's information that's relevant. Make sure it's information that's needed that's going to help advance the decision, and not just you know we'll fill out these you know 400 form fields to to give us every piece of information that you have, because that's probably not going to create a good a good experience for that candidate. And if he or she then you know, talks about that with their peers, with other people, right? It, it obviously doesn't help your company, right? So I think just really being tactical in terms of what's needed, right? And and what's going to help make that that informed decision about the candidate, um, you know, again, is, is dependent company to company, but um, I would just definitely encourage people to think think about that. Now, there's definitely some, you know, some countries that we operate in, some, some specific fields where there are just some requirements, right? If you say, you know, you need security clearance for this role, right? Or you need, you know, a certain visa status for this role. Those types of things, I think it's helpful to get out of the way as soon as possible, just so that, you know, you don't end up with a pool of candidates that are, going to be disqualified at some point in the process because they don't have those those basic, you know, mandatory requirements. So I think those types of things, you know, we always right. encourage, you know, even at the level of the job posting, right? And and with with um with LinkedIn when you post jobs, you, know, you can add some of those required fields so that people as they're applying, they basically have to indicate, you know, do they have you know what, whatever those those eligibility criteria are. And that just helps then, you know, reduce the um reduce the pool of candidates that you're going to have to turn down at some point, uh, you know, unfortunately. Um, so now what's your take on prospecting candidates for a job? Do you have any best practices that you could suggest for that? A- a- absolutely. Yeah. No- another area, again, we, we spend a lot of time on um, in terms of, in terms of researching what works and, and, you know, the, the, the fascinating thing about this is that the majority of people are actually open to new opportunities. So historically, we've talked about this as, as kind of the idea of active and passive candidates, right? So active candidates are people that are, you know, actively seeking out a job. So they're going to, you know, they're going to a job listing site, a job board, you know, they're, they're going through the application process. Whereas passive candidates are people that are in a role, they're not, you know, they're, they're not on job boards, they're not act- actively looking for, for new opportunities. But what we see is those people overwhelmingly for the right opportunity are open to those conversations. So, you know, this, this is something that obviously LinkedIn pioneered and, and really, I think, in many ways changed the industry on in terms of being able to connect with people, professionals, as they're going about their career. So not just when they're researching a company or when they're applying for a job, but as they just continue their professional development, right, in terms of learning, in terms of engaging with content, in terms of connecting with, 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 profess- with other peers within their network, um, and then be able to find those people in a very targeted way, right? So being able to understand the skills that you're looking for, the, the exact professional qualifications that you're looking for, and then to be able to reach out. 
And the biggest thing that we see here, right, in terms of of effectiveness, right, with prospecting, and again, the analogy is is very similar to to marketing, is really make it personalized, right? Organizations that that you know use email or phone or, or, or different, you know, in mail, different outreach mechanisms, and they just send a bulk email to you know a thousand people of of you know like, hi, I'd want to talk to you about my company. The response rates, as you would imagine, are incredibly, incredibly low, right? So as 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 we talk to mm-hmm. you know talk to recruiters and talk to sourcers and hear what's working, and as well as encourage them based on the, the best practices we see, we always say like you know get as personalized as possible, right? Make it an authentic connection where there's something that stood out about that that great you know woman or man that you're reaching out to that that you want to engage on, right? So try and get to know the person, right, through their profile, through the information that you have available to them, and then try and make that that connection. Because, you know, if it is more personalized, the chances of people responding are significantly better um, than, again, if you're just doing kind of a bulk outreach to, to thousands of people at a single time. It, it does. It's interesting because it really goes back to the whole marketing thing, you know, even with marketing, is when you feel like you're being reached on a personal level, and you're, you know, being approached in a genuine way, it makes all the Absolutely. difference. Rather than feeling, you know, like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a number or I'm just one in a million. They don't really care what I think if, when it feels like somebody is actually making an effort to care and to connect with you, you know, then that makes, you know, me want to care and connect with Absolutely. That and I think it's a great point you touched on. And, and something else that we talk with, with people about often is, you know, ideally your first, your ideally your first touch point with a, with a potential candidate is not an email to them or a phone call or, or, you know, an email that a reach out, ideally they're already aware of your, your company, right? Ideally they're already aware, aware of the types of roles that you hire for, right? So if you've really been doing that brand building over time, right, with your target candidate pools, um, then the response rates, you know, go up astronomically, right? We see, you know, mm-hmm. massive increases, right, in, in terms of response rates for, for what we refer to as like warm candidates versus cold candidates, right? Which again is very obvious to any marketers listening to this, right? Which is, you know, very, make, makes a ton of, of, of rational sense and, and sounds kind of obvious as I say it. But I think too often in, in the recruiting industry, unfortunately, it was, you know, kind of the, the, the spray and pray type model, right? Where, where, you know, people would just reach out in bulk to candidates, not really have that, that detailed information or make it, make it personalized. Um, and oftentimes it was the first time that a passive candidate was hearing about a company. So, as you can imagine, response rates to those types, that type of outreach ends up being incredibly low. And just, you know, for recruiters, then just leads to a lot of inefficiency, right? And, you know, really with, within the recruiting world, it's it's about people, right? First and for, for foremost. But, you know, something that we talk about all the time and and, and hear from our, our, our best customers is you want to be able to, to be as efficient as possible, right? And I think efficiency sometimes translates into like, oh, is that is that cold and machine-like? And the answer is like, no, it just means that you're then able to focus more on the people part of the conversation, you know? And so if you're, you're not spending, you know, all day just, you know, sending out bulk emails, right? You're sending out those, those few targeted outreaches, right? You're talking to uh, candidates that have been recommended based on their likelihood to respond, right? So you can then make those personal connections and really get to know the person, Right to understand if they'd be a great culture ad for your organization, or be able to help your organization achieve the results that you're looking for, and that's sort of going about it in a more respectful way as, as well. Absolutely. So we've got a compelling job post. We have a ton of applicants, um, and we've prospected some really good ones. Um, so now <laughs> we have a big stack of job applicants. 
conversations. Um, can you share some techniques for effectively weeding out the bad applicants and finding the right candidates to move through to the next phase? I'd say I'd say it's a good problem to have, obviously, right? Like you want you want to see that pipeline of candidates coming in, but it's also a major challenge, right? And especially for organizations that have, you know, kind of you know, very popular brands or, you know, kind of very hot jobs that are, that are being, that are being sought after. Um, you know, you want to make sure you can kind of, again, quickly weed through those quickly kind of get to the candidates that are most likely to respond. And I think a lot of that, again, a lot of it starts from, you know, before you even get that, that, that application, right? So making sure that the people that are applying, they know about your company, right? And, and, you know, they, they, they understand who you are as a company, they understand what you stand for, they understand your values. That helps a ton just in terms of then, you know, acting almost as, as a pre-screen for candidates. Mm-hmm. Ideally, as an organization, you, you want quality over quantity, right? Like you want people that are, that know your organization, right? That are, that are, that are likely to respond, that are likely to be um, a great value add for your organization versus just, you know, a pile of resumes or just, you know, just, just that collection of, of noise. Um, once you have those resumes, then there's a lot of, you know, different services and techniques to be able to go through and, and, you know, call those down. But, you know, one of the biggest things we say is, is get the whole team involved, right? It's something I do when I'm hiring here at LinkedIn is, you know, I want to make sure that the cross-functional partners that the team's working with are also involved in the process. And that can be even at the early stages of screening, right? Because while we work with an amazing recruiting team here at LinkedIn, who does a lot of pre-screening and a lot, a lot of validation, um, it's super helpful just to partner with them closely, right? And just, you know, obviously help to go through those great applications because you also sometimes spot things that, that you know, we're all human, right? So, you know, different people may spot things that, that stand out. Um, so I say, you know, make it, make it a team sport. That helps as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's so much value in, um, in asking for your coworkers' opinions, for, for outside opinions, because there's having a second set of eyes or a third set of eyes or a fourth set of eyes, you know, people, people see different things and people may pick up on, on different things. Exactly. Exactly. So um, one of the things that I was, uh, I was really looking forward to asking you about, um, it's a, it's a loaded question, of course, um, is just the, the whole question of social media and how it's changed the recruitment process. Um, because LinkedIn is obviously a social network. It's been pioneering in the way that that the whole recruitment process has worked socially and online. So can you speak to a little bit about how social media has kind of shifted and changed that whole recruitment? Yeah, for landscape? sure. I think we touched on a little bit earlier, right? I think the, you know, the 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 major patterns that we're seeing is is there's an increased level of transparency, right? So just people know more about each other, people know more about again the companies that, that they're looking at. So, you know, I think in many ways it it's, you know, the the social media has just helped to amplify some of some of that, right, in terms of that transparency, as well as really thinking about it from the candidate's perspective, right? So again, as 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 a candidate, where you know, if we go if we go back, you know, fifty years, right, like you may talk to a recruiter, right? You may look at a, a, a classified ad to see a job post, right? Like there, there's different ways, obviously, that people found jobs. Whereas today, you know, people are empowered to to you know get to know. Um, potential coworkers, right, and to and to look them up and to see who they'd be working with. They they can see the company in action through what that company shares, you know, through the different social media networks. Um, so so I think about it really just as much as possible from the candidate perspective in terms of what that candidate experiences and the different touch points of where they're engaging with companies. As a company hiring people, you know, I, I'd say obviously, you know, one of the the 
unique elements that LinkedIn brings to the equation and helps our organizations, helps companies that use our services with is the unique insights that we get from people, right? In terms of, you know, as they engage on the platform, as they, as they you know, like a piece of content or, or join a certain group, we always say we can know a lot more than, than you know, about the person behind the profile. Right. So if you think about a basic resume where you have job information and you have, um, you know, where you went to school, those are important signals. But in many ways, they're, they're, they're often stale and kind of very one dimensional. Um, whereas if you look at a person throughout their entire career journey and you look at the, the interests they have and you look at the, um, the behaviors that they engage in, you can then understand a lot more about intent. Right. And under, understand, you know, if somebody has aspirations for, for leadership or if somebody's, you know, working in one field, but really could be passionate about another field. So those types of signals help our customers to be able to then get matched with the, with, with candidates that they may not otherwise discover and also helps candidates match with organizations that they may not otherwise be aware of, right? Cause we're doing the same thing to help people understand organizations better. So it's, again, it, it's trying to, you know, essentially create this, this, this ideal marketplace between job seekers and job providers that's super efficient, right? And the people really can get matched in that, in that going back to the dating way, right? To the perfect match, right? Where they really then connect with that opportunity and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, ever, everyone wins in that situation. I wanted to ask you as well, would you ever look at other social media platforms such as Instagram or Facebook or, or Twitter um, to sort of gauge a potential candidate? Or, or would you suggest sort of staying away from those other platforms because they're not quotation marks? You know, I think it's really company to company in terms of in terms of what policies are or kind of what makes sense for that organization. You know, I think that you know something something we talk about here at LinkedIn is is the idea of you know bringing your whole self to work, right? And 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 you know, ideally, kind of sharing all those different aspects. Um, But at the same time, you know, there's there's obviously different regulations in place. There's different things that are specific company to company or industry to industry in terms of um, what information is being used. So. I would uh, I would say we've we've seen it all, um, but you know that really is is, is company company. So now uh, you were saying in the beginning of our chat here um, that you know you often get the question of is there a perfect resume or a profile, and of course it it varies from from company to company depending on on the right fit for you know candidate and and company, and certainly you know there's definitely a lot of people who who take some creative liberties with their resumes or even, you know, flat out lie about their experiences. But do you have any strategies to spot these kind of embellishments early on before, you know, sort of wasting your time going through the whole process? Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think that I, I would say that there's probably two angles to this, right? I think one is, you know, how as, as an individual, right, do you represent yourself the best, right? And that could be if you are looking for a job. It could also be if you're a hiring manager or just a person at a company, right? Like if, you, if you're a great salesperson, right? Today, people are often going to look you up, right? And just, you know, get to know you, right? Via, via LinkedIn or, 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 or other means. Um, so I always say like, you know, really having that professional, personal brand established, right? Is, is, is critical, right? So, you know, things that we, we, we often run at, at, at events and conferences, something we call rock, rock your profile. So we, we have photo booths set up and, you know, kind of consultants that can help people establish their profile. If you just do a search for rock your profile, LinkedIn, like you'll also find a lot of the tips and, and recommendations there. Uh, but some of the, you know, the things that again, sound probably sound very obvious, but, you know, make sure you have a professional photo. 
right? It's 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 the first thing that people see, right? When they when they look when they look at your profile, and we know that just from the data that we have, that you're 14 times more likely to be viewed if you have a professional photo versus no photo or you know or something else. Um, the other thing is is really making sure that you know your profile is as complete as possible, right? So detail your past work experience, add a summary, and think about it in the way that in the way that a recruiter would find you, right? So I often have this conversation with people and, you know, I say it's not designed to be, you know, you're not doing a, a SEO or search engine optimization exercise here, but in some ways you have to think about that, right? So you have to think about, you know, while you may have a, a, a you know, a fanciful, fun title, right, of, of you know, chief ninja at the company, um, it's going to be tough for a recruiter probably to find you, right? If you're actually just like a great salesperson. Um, so think about those, those keywords, right? In terms of what people would actually search for if they were looking for you, if you want to be found in that way um, is, is super helpful. Now, to the other side of your question in terms of people that embe- embellish the resume or flat out lie on, on, on their resume or profile, you know, th- those things, those things always are going to happen. We do a lot um, um, of work behind the scenes, you know, on, on the LinkedIn platform to really, um, you know, triangulate around different signals, right? To where, you know, as, as we're making recommendations, we take skills and ex- as an example. There's obviously the skills that you tell us, right, directly and explicitly. But then we also look at a lot of, you know, behaviors in terms of the skills that are, are relevant at your organization, the skills that are within peer groups, right? So we, we try and always triangulate um, beyond just, what's what a member puts on their profile and says directly um, to help look at again those intent and and, mm. and 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 the broader signals um and i think more and more we're seeing right in the industry both stuff services that linkedin's providing as well as a lot of great other companies in the industry are starting to are starting to think about assessments more and ways to really validate skill sets right be that technical skills be that behavioral elements um i think we're, we're seeing a great um boom in terms of the assessment industry right now. And, and, you know, I think it's going to, again, be fantastic for both companies as well as candidates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, again, it sort of goes back to the whole transparency thing too. Um, You know, I, I, I would imagine, especially in today's day and age with social media, um, you know, if there is a skill that you're questioning for a specific candidate, you know, I would imagine it would be much easier in today's day and age to just, you know, try to do a little background work to see if that's, the real For deal sure. I mean, everything not. from looking at, you yeah. know, obviously referrals or, or, you know, what other people say to direct assessments, there, there's many ways to, to suss that out. Um, and of course, it's in a candidate's best interest mm. to, to, you know, be as authentic in the process as well, right? Because, you know, I think, you know, unfortunately, if, if people, uh, you know, don't represent themselves right, it, it you know, it usually ends up uh, uh, not working out in the end well for them. So we obviously would encourage people to represent themselves right, but I think yeah. it is, you know, it's on the company as well to make sure that they're validating and, and uh, you know, and, and, and looking for any of those inconsistencies. Mm-hmm, for sure. So now, are there any big trends that you anticipate uh, for 2019 in recruitment? I mean, there's, there's always so many trends. It's, uh, it's tough to keep up with all the trends. But, you know, I, I think that the, the big trends and the big patterns that we're seeing, right, probably won't come as a surprise to people here, right? I think, you know, the use of data and insights is becoming more and more prevalent um, and, and is really empowering organizations to make much more informed decisions, right? Everything from the strategy to the, their final decision making. So I think that's a, a trend I'm super excited about. And I think, you know, we're going to see continuing to advance. Um, we talked about our earlier, right, you know, really this idea of building 
employer brand and building better candidate engagement. I think that's a trend that we've seen developing over the past couple of years. And I think it's only going to continue to accelerate, right? As people are looking for that more um, more authenticity, more about a great candidate experience. I mean, these are all, you know, really positive trends that, that we're seeing. Um, and then I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning. I think everyone's talking about that these, these days. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think it's something that ultimately, um, I, th- I think there is a lot of noise in the industry right now in terms of, you know, kind of everyone latching on to, to these terms as the hot new terms. Um, but ultimately, you know, for companies that have, you know, great data to work with and can apply the right machine learning and the, and the right artificial intelligence to that, what it's going to ultimately do is help, you know, remove a lot of the mundane work, right? So, you know, basic scheduling tasks, basic filtering tasks, things that, quite frankly, you know, machines are designed to do and computers are designed to do probably much better than, than people are, um, you know, I think it's going to be a huge um, relief in many ways, right? Where we can take some of that burden of those mundane tasks off the off the the plates of, you know, be it recruiters, be it learning development professionals, be it you know really anyone within an organization, so they can spend more time on um, on the human elements, right, and on, on the pieces of, of of the pie that are that are really differentiated. Um, so I'm continued. I'm I continue to be excited to see that uh, advance and, and uh, um, continue to be a trend within the talent space. And the thing is, is with, with technology advancing in such a way, um, especially with something like artific- artificial intelligence, it's sort of amazing to see how companies sort of do have to adapt to sort to to work with a new generation and a and the growing audience. Totally, I think you know for the first time, um, you know we're, we're seeing a true multi generational workforce, right? So I think there's there's often the conversation about millennials or Gen Z, um, but I think the piece that often gets left out of, the, of that equation is is you know people are also living much longer, right? So we're seeing um, older generations still in the workforce or re-entering the workforce. Um, so you know it's it's really I think you know in many ways an incredible opportunity for companies, right? Where they you know can can you know really have have you know, so many generations working closely together. It's also a big challenge, quite frankly, right? Because the, you know, the needs of, of somebody that's late stage in their career or maybe reentering the workforce versus somebody that's just, you know, just, just exiting high school or just exiting university tend to be very different, right? And I think that's, again, where, you know, we really encourage companies to, you know, to think about that, right? And not have a one size fits all approach um, because, Truly, it, it can't work, right? A one-size-fits-all approach does not work for, for, for all these different audiences that have very different needs. Um, so, you know, it depends on, on obviously company size and, and, and what you're doing. But, um, you know, especially for, for larger organizations, right, being able to kind of have a, a, a multi-segment or kind of multifaceted approach um, can work out very well, right, as, as they think across those different dimensions. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, I mean, with every generation, technology changes, as our world grows, so must we. Not only, obviously, the different you know priorities, right, for different different um, people, right, within different generations, and of course, there there's there's wide bands of, of different preferences as well. Um, but but you know, really thinking about the um, you know the, the 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 different aspects, right, of kind of what's going to drive um, a company and what's going to drive success. Right. And I always say, you know, with, with best practices, right. There's a lot of best practice guides out there. Um, but you know, the, the reality is I always say like best practices are usually best for the situation that they were tailored for. Right. So really, you know, I always encourage companies and, and we, you know, we publish a lot of best practice guides as well. So like it's nothing against them, but it's always important just to understand what's the context, right? So what works for, 
you know, what works for a Google, right, or a LinkedIn, you know, may not work for a small mom and pop ice cream shop, right? And vice versa, right? There's very, very different mm-hmm. needs. Um, so I think always, you know, look at the patterns, look at the context of, 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 of why decisions were made or why things kind of became best practices, um, and then make it your own, right? And I think that's, that's, that's super exciting, um, you know, as, as, as we see talent professionals and, and talent organizations develop within, uh, within, within companies and, and continue to build those, those winning teams. For our last question, um, I wanted to end on a on a bit of a on a bit of a light note. Um, so, what was the worst interview you've ever conducted? Oh wow, that's a that's that's a good one. It's um, you know, I I I as as I mentor people and talk to people about about interviewing and 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 different roles, be that at LinkedIn or, or other organizations. Um, you know, I always say do your homework first, right? I'd say by far the worst interviews I've ever conducted is where people come in and they don't really know. They don't know anything about the organization. They don't know about the role, right? And that that always shocks me because they've taken time out of their day, right? They've obviously taken time out of out of um, uh, the people they're interviewing with day. And if they haven't done their background homework, um, it just you know it, it unfortunately just then seems like a, a waste both for them as well as well as the company that's interviewing them. So I've unfortunately had a couple of those in my, in my career in terms of people coming in very very woefully unprepared. Um, so I would just say, you know, if you're, if you're interviewing, do your homework, get to know the company, get to know the, the people you're interviewing with, get to know the role, um, and be able to, uh, you know, have, have a conversation about that as, uh, as, as, as informed as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's got to prepare. It's an important first step for sure. Well, this was great, Bobby. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and for sharing your amazing insight. We yeah, really I thoroughly enjoyed it. the conversation. Look forward to chatting more in the future. That's it for this episode of Outback Talks. Thank you so much again to Bobby for taking the time to be on our show today. And thank you for listening. Outback Team Building and Training helps organizations across North America build relationships through memorable team building, training, and consulting experiences. And our team has been recommended by over 14,000 corporate groups in the United States and Canada. For more expert advice on recruitment, visit the downloadable resources section of our website at outbackteambuilding.com to download your free copy of the HR Guide to Recruitment. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Until next time, this is Outback Talks, the employee engagement podcast.